He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Anthony Irwin Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined today by uh, somebody who has become an incredible friend of the show, really good, uh, I think, personal friend of my my own in in this industry, somebody I really look up to, George Sedano. Uh, You can hear him on ESPN Radio 710, 4-7 with uh, Sedano and Cap. That's their show. He's also, uh, if you're watching a game, likely on the sideline in one of those games as well. Uh, George, how are you holding up? You, you did the uh, trade deadline treat you okay? Uh, yeah, I mean, much better than the Lakers, clearly. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, trade deadline treated me okay. It was a busy day, uh, but it's nice to kind of be past it and uh, just kind of get back to my normal routine of dropping off my kids in the morning, working out, listening to podcasts, and uh, you know, then eventually getting ready for the radio show. Yeah, I guess we should talk about the the trade deadline. I'm glad we were just before we were uh, we went live. You had mentioned that you listened to the the podcast that uh, Wendy did with uh, Ramona and Dave, and I was going to ask you directly, like, hey, did you happen to listen to this? Because I found the entire thing, like the information itself, was was good, but right. the you know, if you read between the lines, the last time you and I spoke, it was a lot about speaking LeBron and reading, you know, <laughs> there's, it's he never leaves. just straight yeah. ahead. Yeah, yeah. However, that's the closest we got to straight ahead, straight shooting from LeBron after that Bucks game. when he was like, yeah, no, we aren't good enough. Right. Like, this isn't and, good. And, and that basically that the roster needs a makeover, right? Like that was, you know, the, those were pretty much said. Um, yeah, not pretty. The, the Bucks part was uh, flatly said, right? We're not good yeah. enough. And that was a red flag. Like, you know, if I'm the Lakers organization, um, I'm hearing that. And I, I mean, he's doing that to get them to react in some way, shape or form. And they chose not to, which I found to be a bold strategy. Now, I know when, <laughs> when listening to that podcast, Ramona yeah. was basically uh, relaying the information of how the organization, um, what their position was. And it was basically that hey, you got into this mess, you get us out of this mess kind of thing. Um, Pushback on the team is what I would say. Yeah. Um, and then I thought McMinniman nailed it. Like, really going to waste the end of LeBron's career? Like, on <laughs> some stuff maybe in the offseason? Like, I, I, I don't know. And then, of course, we can get into that and the Anthony Davis stuff. Um, but, I, uh, you know, I guess I have a very similar position to McMinniman um, yeah. from listening to that podcast. It's just like, I mean, you brought him here to win championships, plural, right? Like, yeah. Look, there is an inherent um, risk when you go you go into business with LeBron James. Um, it's that he's going to push the chips or want to push the chips to the center of the table every single hand. Yeah. And sometimes you bust. Sometimes you win a big pot. Yeah. Sometimes um, you let it ride. I think sometimes if if you bust. You know, you got to reload the chips in some way, shape, or form, or you take some risk off, right? And figure out how to get back in, 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 in you know, get your chip stack back up, right? And I think that they have, they have chosen the approach of just folding every hand. And I don't know 
if that is necessarily the way to go about this either. I don't know about folding every hand, right? Like they, you know, they did trade for us. Trade deadline, I mean. Yeah, yeah, they 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 folded the trade deadline. That's for sure. And and yeah, that was the thing. It was funny because you know, and I talked about this on the lowdown this morning. And uh, the question that Dave had for Palinka was basically, "Hey, uh, do you feel there is anything that you owe to LeBron and his legacy?" and 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 shepherding this legacy that you are kind of tasked with right and you know lakers twitter and and twitter in general i thought kind of i thought overreacted to the question and kind of ignored the theme because i think you do owe it to the great player to make the most out of that person's career in any sport in any situation like the example i used in the lowdown was was mike trout and how the Angels just keep bungling season after season after season of arguably the statistically greatest baseball player of all time. And like, yeah, if I was an Angels fan, I'd be pretty livid that they were wasting him in the in the, in the middle of Kobe's career when he was stuck trying to drag Smush Parker to a first round yeah. series win over Steve Nash. It was like, did, this you these guys don't come along very often you aren't in this situation very often and and this notion of well you know we really got to protect that 2027 first round pick for after lebron retires my buddy justin made a he made an incredible analogy that i'm really pissed that i didn't make uh cavsanada when he was on the show a while ago and he said it's a lot like you know having lebron on your team is a lot like time that you spend in vegas where you kind of have like a four-year stint. Four years is like the max time that you want to spend in Vegas, if you're really doing Vegas. And the first night, the honeymoon, you just like fly in or you drive in, whatever, and it's great. And you have all your assets. You have, you've, you've saved up for this occasion. It's fantastic. And then the, the second night is usually the best night of the trip because you have had some time to sink in. You have, you're, you're, you understand where you are probably you're going out for a really nice dinner that second night um and that's usually when you win a championship in the lakers case they did that second year they won a championship nights three and four though it's a lot of survival and by the time you get to the fourth night you probably are, are kind of devoid of assets and your pocket you look at your bank account and you're like yeah i gotta go home yeah <laughs> yeah it's because because you're pushing it in every hand right yeah. like and that that's the reality of it, but that's what you signed up for. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I, right. I think you also have to kind of understand that. And you know, it's funny you mentioned Kobe because immediately in my head, it popped, you know, that remember, I mean, God, this was so long ago that like camera phones were like, so like novel at the time he was in that <laughs> strip mall and he was being yeah. asked by some kid about like trading Jason kid through buying them for Jason kid. He's like, <laughs> hell yeah. I mean, he said it a lot, you know, a lot yeah. more expletives, but hell yeah. I want to trade Andrew Bynum for Jason kid. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. Um, because yes, of course that's the case. And look, maybe I, my position on this is comes from a different place because much like Dave, right. I spent a lot of years covering LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even though he's covered him maybe longer than I have at this stage, um, more intimately for sure than I have. Mm-hmm. Um, so but I also come from the school of Pat Riley, right? Where I've covered him for a lifetime. And he's that guy that 
Yeah. yeah, there'll be moments where they retreat a little bit. But for the most part, they're trying to win every year. Like, now winning is also relative, right? They've been years where their team isn't good because they pushed so hard and pushed so many chips to the center of the table. But eventually they busted and they had to kind of rebuild. But even in those rebuilds, they're not tanking. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, they're For a long time, he was just in the finals. Like, he was somebody you would just pencil into the finals. And so, like, with so with Riley, like, it's why I always thought their marriage was fascinating. Uh, and, you know, of course, it was always going to blow up because they're just too type A. Um, mm-hmm. But but their philosophy was similar. Like, we're going to keep going all in as much as we can until we can anymore. You know, right. and even then we'll find creative ways to keep going all in. Um, and it's why I respect Pat and that organization so much because that's they're in it to win it every year, no matter what. And win it again is relative. If they have a bad team, it's like, hey, let's make the playoffs. We're not going to be, we're not going to do the process, right? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, we're going to try to compete. Um, and I think with LeBron, uh, you know, obviously to a, you know, with much bigger stakes historically, um, because of where he is and who he is historically, you have to commit. You have to commit to doing everything. And you know, and McMiniman's story about Wood. John Wall, Russ, Tucker, and the 2027 pick, I probably would have thought that that would have worked. Um, yeah. Now, work to what me. extent? Yeah, work to what extent, though? Are they a championship contender? I mean, maybe, you know, if AD's healthy. But all that, all this is predicated on AD's health, which is something we'll get to later, I'm sure. But, like, it gives them a better chance for sure. I don't care that John Wall hasn't played for whatever it's been, a year. He's a much better defender than Russell Westbrook, okay? Yeah. He's, and he's honestly a much more pure point guard than Russell Westbrook. So you're, He's more predictable. Like, you just right. on defense, you know that he's not going to run off in the wrong direction. Like, that's, right. that's, that's, that's what right. hurts the Lakers while Russ is out there is that you never know at one point he's just going to go squirrel and then just run off in the wrong direction. Correct. Correct. And Christian Wood's a good player, I think. Like, I think eventually he's going to be one of those guys that we look at and he's going to be like, man, he's been on a bunch of bad teams. And then when he's finally on a good team, you're like, man, that guy's really good. He should have been on a good team before. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like they could have had that kind of person um, still at a very reasonable contract. But, you know, yeah. whatever. I'm not running the Lakers. So. 14 mil. Yeah. I, I, I found the whole thing really interesting because. It just, it feels like the Lakers are kind of trying to operate like Pat Riley, where Riley says, like, you know, the the, the whole plane thing, and, and he was a lot more willing to kind of challenge LeBron on a few things. Remember, I think it was LeBron wanted to fire Spo, and Riley said flat out, no, I believe right. in this guy. But um, that was pre-LeBron having championships. You know what I'm saying? Well, sure, like, I think that sure. also plays a role in it. That too. It's also Pat freaking Riley. <laughs> it's, exactly. Like you can you can operate like Pat freaking Riley when you're Pat freaking Riley. And I like so, the Lakers I, I, operating like they can challenge LeBron like he does. Like they don't have that cachet. And, and yes, they challenged Kobe back then. Also, Dr. Buss was alive. That was a different that, person. <laughs> you know, was, and they talked about that on the podcast, yeah. which I thought made a ton of sense. And I thought Dave brought up another point, which the luxury tax wasn't as punitive. Yeah. It was one for one back then. Now we know it's way more punitive than that. Um, and I also think LeBron's not Kobe. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, That's they're two different people. Like, you can't just say, oh, because it worked with him, it's going to work with LeBron. You don't have the same history that you had with Kobe yeah. Bryant. Like, 
I, I think that that plays into this as well. And, you know, look, I know this about LeBron in regards to Pat Riley. Yes, the relationship with, was icy for a long time. That is thawed out, right? Mm-hmm. And I think why it's thawed out is the mutual respect that they have for each other as competitors. It's no different why Michael Jordan, in his Hall of Fame speech, talked about how Pat Riley was the only person he felt was equally as competitive as him in the NBA <laughs> at that time. Yeah. So, like, I think there's this mutual respect for that. And the fact is that no matter what, you know, we kind of alluded to it a moment ago, no matter what you want to say about Pat Riley, wherever he's been, there's a plan, right? Mm-hmm. There is a plan uh, for every different scenario. And there's always like this sense of nothing is going to catch them by surprise or very few things will ever catch them and his teams uh, and his franchises by surprise. And I think that with the Lakers, that was team in some ways, you know what I mean? It was literally a line in, I think it was Ramona's piece about the Russell Westbrook situation that likes a, a Lakers executive told her, we don't have a plan B on this. We right. moved all of our, like th- there was there is no there is no off ramp on this and and that just Correct. never would have gone down under on, on Pat's watch if it was well and, and by the way also you know we're we're you know idolizing Pat Riley because he's Pat Riley but to a lesser extent but still to some extent in a big way David Griffin and Colby Altman had plans you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like multiple plans in certain scenarios when they were running franchises that LeBron James was a part of. So, um, you know, I, I think that I think Rob's done a good job and I, I think it made sense to partner with them. I also think you're choosing an interesting time to decouple uh, from that <laughs> partnership, at least, yeah. at least, uh, you know, behind the scenes, because look, man, when Dave had that report, you know, when we know Rob said the thing about, you know, I did this in concert with LeBron and AD, and then and Dave then had did. the report. <laughs> they were like, excuse me? Totally false were the words that he used. Like, that's not a small thing. Um, so fans that want to get on Dave, look, Dave's just doing his job, okay? <laughs> and you can get mad all you want, yeah. but, you know, he's coming at this from an objective perspective and also with the history of having covered LeBron James for a long time and that he's unlike any other player that we've ever had in this league um, because of the power that he wields. And that power has shown that he's willing to pack up and go. Now, Ramona's asked the question, well, you know, he likes, he likes LA and they kind of know that he's this under contract. This is where I wanted it's to a, go. Good. Mm-hmm. It's a little different, but it's only under contract for one more year. So mm-hmm. while if you asked me to make a bet today, Anthony, is LeBron James going to be a Laker for the rest of his career outside of an outlier situation with like Bronny on another team in three or four years? I, I generally am not an absolutist in general. Um, so I am, I'm, not, I'm not slamming the door on that. And I'm also not slamming the door on Anthony Davis's future um, with the Lakers, like being like he's going to be a Laker for life. Um, I, I think that, without sounding the alarms that LeBron, George Sedano of ESPN says LeBron's leaving the Lakers and Anthony Davis leaving the Lakers. That's not what I'm saying. Harrison, I'm if saying you're listening, that, we just got to, we just got to tweak the headline, but we're <laughs> essentially. <laughs> I, what, I, what I'm saying is, is that while there was, I thought there was very little chance to no chance. I would say now that maybe there is a slight chance that that's possible, that those two guys are not going to always be in a Lakers uniform. I mean, look, we saw how it played out when Pat 
kind of challenged LeBron and said, no, we are still, we still are doing things a certain way here in Miami. Like LeBron said, peace, I'm going back home, you know? And, 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 and I, you know, that was to Pat Riley. That was after multiple championships. This, this being, you know, where the situation is right now, where they're scratching and clawing to get into a play in game and you're challenging him in this way. Like, how the hell do you think this is going to go? Like he doesn't, if he thinks that, all right, I ha- I'm under contract next year. This is one of maybe a handful of, of prime years that I have left in me. Do I want to spend that those prime years in a situation that is not committed to winning in my, in his perspective might not be committed to winning. Of course not. Like, why would he, that, that, that's not even like, it's not even like, you know, sounding the alarms. It's just putting yourself in the guy's shoes. Yeah, a hundred percent. If you if you're just being empathetic here, and I know it's like, oh, how can I be empathetic towards someone who's worth you know hundreds of millions of dollars? Right, put that aside. Okay, yeah. let's just act like human beings for a second and not be so tribalistic and make money be the center of every conversation. Let's yeah. just, to your point, put yourself in his shoes. You want to win. You have a legacy you want to uphold. Your goal is to get as many championships as you can. You're 37 years old. You're playing great little age is going to creep in and we're seeing that now where you know at least during the regular season whether it's like by i don't know if it's by choice i wouldn't say that but we're seeing that he can he can't necessarily every night some or he can't summon every night this like let's go get on my back yeah like i'm gonna win every game for us because Uh he's 37 bleeping years old of course (laughs) that's not gonna be able to happen every night anymore. So he needs help. And I know that the internet will joke, oh, LeBron needs more help. Yeah. How much yeah, help does I he need? It. Andy, I, I hear I you, it. don't just stop it. <laughs> I get the jokes. I get they write themselves sometimes. But at yeah. 37, he absolutely needs help. And it's why he, the, he and they, the Lakers, thought they were passing the torch to Anthony Davis. But, you know, I, I'll quote Ramona from that podcast all that comfortable doing that i don't i don't know you know what i'm saying like i don't like personally like i think anthony davis is an amazing player i think anthony davis the year the bubble was the best player in the bubble um i probably if i had a vote for mvp i might have considered voting for him for mvp had i been in the the bubble bubble. Mm -hmm. um yeah like incredible so we know he's his ceiling is that being the best player on the planet um but and i'm a big believer that the biggest predictor, the biggest predictor of future injury is past injury. And he's had a lot of injuries. And now LeBron's starting to creep up with some injuries. So it's why this offseason for the Lakers is as important as any offseason we've had since LeBron got here. I mean, we have said that about every offseason since he, like the the one where they traded this for Anthony one is Davis. Surreal. <laughs> this one is well but no but that's that's how it goes the longer that somebody is is around right like it it becomes that much more important to operate within those margins and figure out ways to make the situation better because that player is going to diminish in their abilities right that's that's just what age does (laughs) It, it does become that much more important um the the last thing before we move on to ad is that like so you mentioned you know, LeBron only having the one year left on his contract. And Ramona said that, you know, he really likes it in LA, likes it being this close to his family and likes being a Laker, which was, I I thought, a a really 
important footnote to also make note of there. Um, all that said, though, that's only for a few months out of the year that he is playing with the Lakers. And he has the means to, you know, either move his family or be able to get back and, and see his son play as often as he wants to see his son play um, as, as he needs to. If he asks for a trade with only the one year left on his deal, I, the Lakers can't be flabbergasted at that point. He gave, he gave them com- the, the commitment, a commitment he hasn't given any other organization in his career since his rookie deal, right? Windhorse mentioned no player option on his deal. Um, and, and it seems like the Lakers are taking that and using it to their advantage to be able to say, you made the situation your own. You made this bed. You got to sleep in it. To which, look, at the end of this year, LeBron gets to say, all right, yeah, I played a part in making this bed. You did too. I want out of this bed. <laughs> um, how does that go down? Like, what what are the ripple effects across the league? What does he even fetch? Like, if he okay. wants out, I don't know what you what, what a team wants to give up for him. Okay. It, it, we'll play this completely mythical scenario out okay totally mythical completely i'm not winking at all we are are (laughs) recklessly and when i mean recklessly we are completely being reckless in speculation here okay i where's poppy poppy (laughs) i i i I, you know you and your silver screen and roll guys don't attribute (laughs) this as anything other than reckless speculation Uh um look if he were to ask out no dummy like they've already posted odds and where he'd go and there's there's no secret that the only two places anywhere near the top by a wide margin are two places he's only been mm-hmm. um previous so i like if you're asking me where how would that work i would guess that he would choose either miami or cleveland in that scenario and say to himself which is the one that's best positioned to get me a championship right and and um, and you know, and, and he'd have to weigh what they'd have to give up to, to get him right now. Let's play this out. Okay. Now I don't have the numbers in front of me. Let's start with, um, Cleveland. I think Cleveland would be a worse scenario. Great for the Lakers. If they're, if it's a long-term build, right. Mm-hmm. Because they have a ton of young guys, right? Like you'd want Evan Mobley. <laughs> you want Darius Garland, right? Like you, so why would LeBron want to go? They're not playing with those two guys, right? Um, so I, I feel like almost Cleveland gets ruled out just based on that. Yeah, you could throw the Kevin Love contract in to make the money work, but they're gonna you're gonna at least want one of those two guys, if not both, and mm-hmm. picks, right? Like yeah. I, I gotta if I'm the Lakers and I'm I'm trading one or A B, I want players that can play right away that are all-star caliber players. I want young players who I think can develop into all-star caliber players, and I want some sort of war chest of picks considering I've given up my entire war chest of picks up uh, over the last several years. So I want to replenish that a little bit. So I just don't see Cleveland as a viable scenario. I actually think Miami would be because they just made a very crafty, smart Pat Riley, Andy Ellisberg deal where they just traded KZ Akpala to Oklahoma city, who they had all sorts of pick. They had a pick uh, that was more tied up and And now they freed up a ton of picks. Um, 2022, 2023 draft picks are free now. They only, ha- I think they only have like one that they have to give up now, uh, which is like either 25 or 26. Um, so 
they freed up a ton of stuff. And they did that because they want to go hunting in the offseason because – and I don't think they did it for LeBron. I think they probably thought about it more like Bradley Beal could be available in the mm-hmm. offseason, right? Um, so they've already kind of positioned themselves to make a big splash because they've got first-round picks to give up. Um, and they trade Bam for LeBron? You already have Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry, and you're in this kind of all-in, all-win situation. You've got a kid at center that – has played incredibly in backup minutes in Yurtsevin. Um, like, I don't know. And Duncan Robinson, like, does that get it done with some picks? I don't know. But, like, that would – if I had to guess, it would be some combination of an established all-star, um, a young player, not now, very soon, um, and a, a boatload of picks, right? That would be it. And those would be your two scenarios in this completely mythical and completely <laughs> reckless – speculation that we just uh went about i'm just you know gonna point out that love and mobley work money wise you know just 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 throwing it out there uh mobley yeah yeah now you know would the lakers ask for hero would the lakers ask for bam would they if they're gonna keep ad i would probably think they would ask for hero over bam because I don't know about Bam and, and AD playing together. But if you're trading LeBron, you're probably also getting ready to trade AD anyway. I, I, so. I think Bam and AD would be incredible together because AD likes to space the floor more. Um, yeah, he, he, he likes to. But he, you don't he want cannot. to. I get it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But it, in theory, their yeah. styles would mesh fine. And yeah. you nobody could score on those two. No, like, that's for sure. You're talking about two of the best defensive – like. I know jazz fans, if they listen to this, will get mad at me. And Rudy Gobert is great, and the, st- and the st- statistics back it up. But if you're talking about more versatile defenders, it's not even close, like, between Gobert and AD and Bam. Like, the latter two can guard guys on the perimeter with ease um, when they're right. So, um, which is not the case for Gobert. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like, that would be our crazy mythical scenarios. Um, but you're right. I think that... If you're trading LeBron, it's probably because AD's probably already gone. And if you're doing that, I do think the Chicago scenario makes sense. And maybe like McMinniman mentioned, right? Zach Levine and Patrick Caruso. Williams. Yeah, I would bring Caruso back, right? If you don't want to pick from them. you. It, it, I, so I did this on the trade machine yesterday. Patrick yeah. Williams, Zach Levine, and Caruso works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then maybe you trade LeBron to fetch you some picks with some established players and a young player. I, it, it, you can do it and be competitive very quickly if you if that's the route you chose again in this very mythical, <laughs> recklessly speculated scenario. I might just call this one reckless. Spe- By the way, everybody would be happy in that scenario, right? <laughs> and nobody is happy right now. Lakers fans aren't happy LeBron and that was the last thing look the AD conversation can he hold up an organization all that stuff that just kind of bores me we've seen that we've seen that movie before he couldn't we're good we're set here Um, the the one that I I, I am kind of interested in is this feels like the first time in, in a while that somebody is telling LeBron like no man you bleeped up here you wanted Russ. You didn't know what you were getting yourself into here with Russ. And and now you got to make it work. And again, that is not how this actually went down. I can say definitively that Rob was also in on that Russ trade. Like that was, 
the people were acting as if like Rob was some innocent victim. Right. You, Again, <laughs> like we started here, being... like AD and LeBron and Rich Paul held in a gunpoint or something. Yeah. Right? And they, or they tied him up to a chair right. and were like, you know, like reservoir dogs. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> what, what are we talking about that, here? That's he not, that's not. Absolutely a willing participant. No question about it. However, the Le- the Lakers are, and members of the Lakers organization are, and this we can say definitively again, are leaking it as if to create that narrative. And oh, yeah, absolutely. And and so like I find I find that exercise really interesting here. And I also wonder like, does this lead to a shift in in the way that LeBron builds teams? Like the, it does does this failed experiment where he has said. Over his and him, he's been right over his entire career that if it isn't working, I'll just work harder and I'll make it work through my own force of will. And in this in this case, he hasn't been able to. So, does this? Do you think, no matter where it is, whether it's with the Lakers or whatever, does this make him take fit more into account here? Oh, I don't think there's any question. Especially, yeah, it was a miscalculation. Um, he just thought talent over everything. Because look, I, I'll tell you this. That's how most NBA players operate, by the way. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you this, the logic behind this move, and, and I can say this from talking to people in his orbit, right? The logic behind this move, and again, everybody signed off on this, including the Lakers, okay? <laughs> so uh, the logic I did was, not. I want it known I did not sign off on this. <laughs> I was also not in on it. Then I got sold on it um, yeah. by, the, by these, the people in this orbit. That sold yeah. me on it. And then eight games into the season, I started my radio show. And I remember saying, I've made a huge mistake, a huge miscalculation, thinking this team could win a championship. And I got all sorts of grief from my audience saying, yep. I can't believe you're being an alarmist. This, that. Eight like, games nope. in, how dare I'm, you? I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I've watched way too much basketball, okay, yeah. in my life. And I have been around a lot of these particular players, okay? Enough to know what is transpiring here. But anyway, the logic behind the move was we're going to recreate the Miami Big Three. Mm-hmm. Right? They're trying. We've mm-hmm. we've got LeBron. We've got using air quotes, okay? Uh, a better version of Chris Bosh, right? Mm-hmm. A more talented version of yeah, Chris that's Bosch. that's yeah. Uh-huh. Let's use talent because better is, is subjective, right? Um, talented version of Chris Bosch. And, a diminished Dwayne. A, 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 a similar version to Dwayne Wade, right? Because Russ is more athletic than Dwayne at that stage, probably. No. Um, or at least not at the beginning. That's Conceptually, maybe, but yeah. Right. But, and, and this, so this was my pushback on this conversation. And I said, well, great defender right like yeah. a great defender arguably the best defensive shooting guard ever i think you can make that argument him and kobe are in, are, are basically you know there's there's maybe a, one or two other guys like joe dumars is probably in that conversation from back in the day right but there's only a handful of guys in that conversation right mm-hmm. and you know Dwayne is one of them along with kobe dumars etc and then i said bosh he had a freak injury in one playoff, right? Yeah. Like where he had the rib cage injury, still came back in the next series. Yeah. To help you win, hit three threes against Kevin Garnett in his face yep. against the Boston Celtics. Like, 
Chris Bosh was really available during yeah. that stretch. Okay. And, you know, Chris Bosh, much like AD, was a great defender. Chris Bosh was not a great defender in Toronto, became a great defender in Miami. Okay. But availability, right, was a big mm-hmm. thing. So I'm like, you know, and LeBron was 25 years old. Yeah, when he prime. There. Okay. Like, so, like, I pushed back a little, and then I was, you'll see, you know, LeBron's playing smarter, and he is. He mm-hmm. had been playing a lot smarter than he mm-hmm. was back then. I, you know, I was sold into that. Okay. And then again, eight games in, I'm like, I'm an idiot. This isn't working. <laughs> this is never going to work. Uh, and then I said it on TV too. And I got even more grief when I said it on TV uh, on NBA today, um, because I said at the time, this team is currently constituted. And I think you and I talked about this when the last time we were on, I said, if it stays the same, the roster there's going to be a bottom third defense for mm-hmm. sure. Okay. Um, and their offense is probably gonna be middle of the pack. Yeah. And if that's the case, that's not a championship recipe. Yeah. That, it's fascinating. That the logic behind all of this. There's, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot going on here and the way that they handle the last, you know, 30 games or so of this season are going to be really interesting to watch the breadcrumbs. Cause you and I, you know, we always send our texts back and forth to each other. Hey man, did you see that breadcrumb? We just passed the breadcrumb, I think. And when he took when he he took Garland really early in that draft, and I was like, "Huh." <laughs> hmm. Hey, hey! By the way, <laughs> by the way, I can say this from experience. Um, there was a lot of like when when the when when the Cavs got the Wiggins pick, like I could I that was the first time I thought to myself he might leave. Yeah. When, when he was in Miami, because I knew he had an opt out after four years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm. had they won that championship, I think he sticks it out because, I mean, you know, you win three in a row, like, you know, at that mm-hmm. point, right, right? Like, well, he gonna... could have gone for four in a row. Not, no, nobody since Bill has done that. Right. So, I mean, I, I, he, I think he would have, he would have, he would have opted in at that point or maybe done a whole new, con- I probably would have opted in is my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe a shorter term contract or whatever. He would have started doing those short term contracts because he would have wanted the money, which who the hell would blame him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like, I, so yes. Crumbs are there, and sometimes, like the Milwaukee game, it's not a crumb; it's the whole loaf. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just started throwing bread at people. <laughs> not even like sliced bread. It's like yeah. the, the loaves, like those French breads you can get at the grocery store. Just yeah. throw it. Here's one for you, Dan Wilkie. Boom in your face. Here's one for you, Bill Orem. Boom in your face. Here's some uh, a baguette for you, Dave McMiniman over the head. So there you go. Hey, that's a perfect place to end here. I swear one of these days I'm going to get you on here and get an embarrassing sports story out of you. We just always happen to run out of time. You're really good at this. There's and plenty of those. We'll do that. Look, we'll, here's, here's what we'll do. Uh, after the season's over, during the playoffs, we can do uh, a little playoff talk, and mm-hmm. then we can do a little embarrassing story because I'm guessing, I don't mean to be mean or rude, but I'm guessing <laughs> it may be a short postseason uh, for the Lakers this season, you know, barring a miracle. I'm, Again, not an absolutist. I always leave the door cracked open, so maybe it could be a miracle. <laughs> Um, but I don't expect it. Uh, and then we can do some, I have plenty of embarrassing stories. Like, good Lord, I've been doing this for 20 years now. So there's plenty of them. All right. Well, that was George Sedano. Uh, check him out every day on the radio, four to seven on 710 ESPN with cap. Uh, thank you very much, George, for hopping on. And thanks for all the help over the years. You got it, brother. Anytime. <laughs>